This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, the foundation I want to lay with you this morning, we could have, we could have used many other scriptures, but the foundation I want to lay for you to, to speak about the subject is very simply this. Money matters to God. And all the training and teaching and religious denominational stuff that we've heard through the years saying that it doesn't is a direct contradiction to the Word of God. You'll have religious people now that say, well, God has blessed us spiritually, but He doesn't care about natural things like money. Really? Well, then you're going to have to burn the Old Testament. However, that creates a problem because Jesus talked a lot about it in the New Testament. Paul talked about a lot of it in the New Testament. James even talked about some of it, and and John talked about it too. Peter said a little bit. Actually, you can't find a writer in the New Testament that didn't talk about money too. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 16. I want to deal with something that's uh, uh, an, an example that Jesus gives, a parable that Jesus tells about. Well, actually, it's not a parable. It's a, it's a real story that Jesus tells about that, that a lot of people have a hard time with. They don't understand what he's trying to get across to, to them. And so let me, let me make this point. Let's start in verse 1. And he said also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man, which means it's actually happened, not just a story. There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same, the steward, was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And so the the rich man called the steward and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. In other words, he got a layoff notice. Show me the final accounting on the books, because I'm, I'm taking your job away from you. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, to, and to beg I'm ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses." Notice what he's saying. I've got to come up with a plan. And my plan has to provide for my welfare in the future after I lose my job. So what am I going to do? Verse 5. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much do you owe my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take your bill and sit down and write quickly. Write 50. Wouldn't it be nice if you could write how much you owe? Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take your bill and write fourscore. That's 80. And the Lord, the rich man, commended the unjust steward. Stop right there. Why is Jesus going to use this as an example? Is he saying it's okay to lie and cheat and steal? No. There's a principle behind the story. Forget about the guy doing something that we know is illegal and, and wrong. There's a principle behind this that Jesus is trying to get across. And it's the only thing that he's trying to get across by using the story. I'll prove that to you as we go further. So the Lord, the rich man, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Because the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. He's saying unsaved people use their money more wisely than than, than, uh, Christians do. In many cases, that's true. It shouldn't be true if we know the wisdom of God from the word. So the, the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Verse 9, Jesus is now saying, and I say unto you. The story's over. The rich man commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. He didn't do legally. 
He didn't do honestly or honorably, but he did wisely. Why? Because he's providing for his future. It's the same as the rich man saying, oh, you clever snake, you. You took something that was mine and due to me and you turned it around to make it work for you. You are a clever devil, aren't you? Do you understand what he's saying? Now Jesus is going to turn it around and he says, and I say unto you. What do you have to say, Jesus? Make to yourselves friends of or out of the mammon of unrighteousness. That when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now, what are everlasting habitations? Folks, I don't know about you, but the only everlasting waiting for me is heaven. So what's he saying? What is Jesus telling us? He's saying, just like the unjust steward did, did wickedly, but cleverly, to provide for his future, he's saying, provide for your eternity by using your resources for others. In other words, he's saying lay up treasure in heaven. That's the only principle of the story. Use your money for the benefit of others. Now, does that mean God wants you to do without? Does that mean God wants you to give away your rent money and he wants you to give away your, your food money for your family or grocery money for your family or whatever? No, God's plan is for you to have enough for your family and have enough to help other people too. So Jesus said, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends out of the amendment of unrighteousness that when you fail, that means when you come to an end, when this life is over, they, the angels, may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. In other words, money matters to God. He's talking about money. He's talking about the use of money. If you're faithful in that which is the least, God says money is the least, then you'll be un- if you're faithful in the least, you'll be faithful in much. If you're faithful in a little money, you'll be faithful in a lot of money. If you're unfaithful in a little money, you'll be unfaithful with a lot of money. Verse 11, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Verse 13, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, say cannot. He didn't say the odds are against you. He said you cannot serve God in money. So everybody has to make a choice. What's going to be first in my life, God or money? If it's not God, then it's money. If it's not money, then it's God. He only gives you two choices. It's not A, B, C, or D. It's God or money. What's your choice? And folks, that's always the choice when it comes to tithing. It's always the choice when it comes to giving. It's always the choice when it comes to obeying the word. What's first in my life? What I want to do or what the Bible tells me to do. That's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Because you're going to serve one or the other. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. Well, I'm not serving money, Pastor Mike. I'm just... Not into that tithing stuff. I'm just living my life trying to make the best I can out of, out of this world. Yeah, that means you're following the spirit of the world. It means you're serving money, which is the root of the spirit of the world. Verse 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible just told you about the people that disagree. There's two places you can put your serve. You can either serve or you can trust. You can either serve and trust in God or you can serve and trust in money. 
The people that choose to serve and trust in money do so because they're covetous. And Jesus said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, and since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to fail than one tittle of the law to fail. In other words, he's saying the truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. Verse 19. Now he tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. There's, by the way, there's the reference back to verse 9 where they may receive you into everlasting habitation. Verse 22 again, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he, the rich man, lift up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son... Remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, beside us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So we talk about this story, and we always refer to it as the rich man and Lazarus. But please understand, this is a conversation between two rich men. You've got a rich man. That we were just told died and you got another rich man named Abraham. You've got one rich man in hell. You've got one rich man in paradise. Rich has nothing to do with eternity. Do you see the point I'm making? You got a rich man in hell. You got a rich man in, in the equivalent of heaven, paradise at the time. You've also got a poor man in paradise. Now, here's my question. If neither rich nor poor has anything to do about with eternity, meaning if you can go to heaven, and we'll use the term heaven figuratively uh, to represent them in paradise, because the Bible says when Jesus was raised from the dead, he led captivity captive. That means he took all those that were in Abraham's bosom, Abraham and the, the, the beggar, Lazarus, with him included into heaven. So if he could be rich or poor in heaven, wouldn't it be better to be rich? While you're here, rich and poor is not an issue where heaven is concerned because you don't have possessions there in the same way that we have them here. So if rich and poor here on the earth doesn't dictate whether or not you get to go to heaven, why wouldn't we want to be rich? See my point? Don't buy into all this stuff that rich is evil. You got a rich man that was evil, but you got another rich man that was good. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. 
the chastisement of your peace was upon him. That's provision. That's the penalty or the, uh, uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes, you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing? Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Now back to the two rich men in Luke chapter 16. We stop reading with Lazarus telling you can't pass from one to the other. Notice in verse 27, now the rich man in hell says, I pray thee therefore, Father, meaning Abraham, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What is the guy's attitude toward now that he's in hell? There's only one thing he seems to care about. Well, two things. One is that he's comforted. Make this a little easier for me because I'm tormented by the flame. But more important than that, he says, my real concern now is for other people that I left behind. Folks, I would submit to you that if he had cared about other people when he was here, he wouldn't be where he was then. And that's the context that Jesus is talking about with the, un- with the rich man and the unjust steward. He's saying, use your money while you can for the benefit of other people. Abraham winds up saying, no, that's not the way it works. They've got Moses and the prophets. Let him hear them. They said, no, they wouldn't believe that because I didn't either. But if somebody went back to them from the dead, then they'd believe. Abraham says, a lot of people won't believe that either. Speaking figuratively or prophetically about Jesus. Now, there's only one other place where the Bible talks about God and mammon, the contrast between God and mammon. Turn with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Why is it important for us to tithe? To keep our heart in the right place. Why is it important for us to give to others? To keep our heart in the right place. That's what treasure in heaven is all about, folks, is having your heart in the right place. Treasure in heaven means you get your heart in eternal things. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, it says that we'll all stand before the throne of God and it, says, it speaks of, uh, of those that are redeemed out of every nation and every kindred and every tongue. And we all sing the song of the redeemed. You need to realize something. When you use your money for other people, you're laying up treasure in heaven, meaning you're putting your heart in eternal things and the only eternal thing that God really cares about and that you join in to help him with is getting more people into heaven. Your treasure in heaven will be those that we use the tool of our resources to help get there. The greatest reward you and I are going to have is to see where our giving and our resources and the things that we used our money for had an impact on people that we never even knew. 
There'll be people, I don't, I don't know exactly how this works, but I'm fully convinced, there'll be people that come up to us in heaven saying, your giving helped reach me for Jesus. We'll think, how? How in the world could that have happened? And we'll have people all over the world through our giving, because our giving may affect something over here, which may affect something over here, which may affect something over here, and God gives us credit for all of it. Folks, that's the rewards in heaven. Verse 21 again, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, then thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now he's talking about very simply, he's going to, to, to conclude this. Well, let me, uh, let me keep reading before I make the comment. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the two things he's talking about, the light and the dark, the good and the evil he's talking about, is the difference between serving God and serving money. I hate to be so blunt about this, but the Bible really just nails us to the wall. You can be a Christian and not be serving God. You can have given your life to Jesus, your heart to Jesus, and receive salvation and not be serving God. Folks, I'm sorry, but the Bible is really plain about this. If you're not using your resources to pay your tithe and to give, you're serving mammon. Now, let me put a disclaimer on that. You are under no obligation to believe me. If you want to take these scriptures and say, no, that's not what it means, I'm not going to do it. Okay. You don't have to explain to me. You don't have to try to, to justify your position. Folks, the only, it's not fair, it's not right or appropriate for me to say I don't care because I do care. But the reason I care is not so the church has more. The reason I care is for your sake. I care that you're not being, uh, the, I care whether or not you walk in the fullness of the blessings of God. That's what I care about. I don't care whether you put money into the church. Because if God's not big enough to make the church go without somebody that's unwilling to do it, to help, what are we doing? God's going to take care of us. The things I've got in my heart, give me a billion dollars and watch the world get reached. Oh, but Pastor Mike, nobody's going to give you a billion dollars. Hey, I'll take it a million at a time. Watch and see what we could do with that. Watch and see the difference it would make. Folks, I have no doubt, no doubt, this is one of those nothing is impossible with God things for me. I have absolutely no doubt that God wants the church, our church specifically, but others than us. I don't know what, I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm just going to talk about us. I have no doubt that God wants our church to have a pool of resources in the hundreds of millions of dollars. What are you going to do, Pastor Mike? You're going to build a building and gold plate it? No, not really. I'll build whatever God tells us to build, just like I have so far. But I'll use it where God tells us to use it, and where He doesn't tell us to use it, I'll sit on it and wait for the doors to open, and then we'll blow through there with the gospel. Okay, let me finish reading this real quick. He said, and again in verse 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. 
Therefore, I say unto you. In other words, here's how to not serve money. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? In other words, he's saying if you're worrying about money, you're serving it. Ouch. He's saying if you're serving God, you're not worried about money. Oh, Pastor Mike, I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. How can we tell whether we're just concerned? Folks, I'm, I'm saying that facetiously, but there is a concern. I mean, we, we have to be knowledgeable about things. We have to keep up with what's going on. How can we tell? Well, he gives us some examples. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't work hard and God feeds them. You're better than the birds. Then he says, and don't worry about what you're going to wear. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't work. Neither do they spin or try to get clothes. And look at how God has clothed them. Even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed as pretty as the flowers of the field. Wherefore, verse 30, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 31, therefore take no thought saying. How can you tell if you're worried about money? If you're talking about not having enough, that's worry. That means you're serving money instead of serving God. That means you're going to have to conform your ways to his ways by conforming your thoughts to his thoughts to think only of plenty. Proverbs says the thoughts of the plenteous, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but to those that are hasty only to want. In other words, if you're just looking at what you don't have, you need to turn that around to looking at I've got a promise of blessing from God that will make sure I always have more than enough. That means you need to change your talk from what you don't have to what you do have in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham is mine because I belong to Jesus. And the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of Abraham means everything in Deuteronomy 8 can be mine. Goodly houses, silver and gold, flocks and herds multiplying, eaten with plenty, no scarceness of anything, etc. That's what that's saying. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after verse 32, for after all these things to the Gentiles seek, the Gentiles represents the world, the unsaved, those that are serving money. So change your talk. Verse 32 again, for all these things to the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. It's okay to know what you need, folks. It's okay to know what, what's, what it's going to take. In one sense, I'm concerned about the pool of resources that God wants our church to have. So what do we do? Well, I talk about what we're going to have. I talk about the blessing of God and the vision that he's put in my heart. I don't talk about, oh, here's what we need. God wants us to have hundreds of millions of dollars to spread the gospel, but here's what we don't have. What's the point in that? We skipped over this, but in verse 27, he says, worry doesn't work anyway. He said, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? If worry worked, everybody would be rich. It doesn't work. So why bother? Therefore, take no thought saying. For your father, your, after all these things, do the Gentiles seek? For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. But instead... Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, serve God instead of the money. Well, how is that going to help us, Pastor Mike? 
And all these things will be added to you. It is the most contradictory thought, human thought possible, that serving God first brings resources to you. Because the human way of thinking, the natural way of thinking is pursue the resources and then make time for God after you get everything worked out. And that doesn't work. But you put God first and it brings the resources to you. Folks, that's how you get treasure in heaven. That's how you get the blessing of God. God's got so many good things for his church in the last days. He's got so many good things for us in the last days. Now, I don't try to overthink this thing. I know what's in my heart, but I don't know how it's going to work. Pastor Mike, do you really think somebody's going to come give you a $100 million or, or, or whatever? I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. The Bible says the wealth of the world is laid up to the just. I don't care how it comes. But I know that I know that I know that I know that the church in the last days is going to operate with a pool of resources to get the job done. Because when the door opens in some of these countries, you need to realize the Bible says that Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He didn't say the precious fruit of America, the precious fruit of the earth. Think about what that means. That means there has to be a revival in Muslim nations. Now, I don't know how that door is going to open for the gospel to get in. Do you? I mean, I've got some ideas. I can speculate just like anybody else can. But does anybody know for sure? We're not going to know for sure until it happens. Just like nobody knew how the Iron Curtain was going to come down until it happened. And then we look back and say, wow, that happened in a hurry. And if the church had been ready, we could have done a better job in Russia and the former Soviet Union. But we were caught unawares. We don't have time to be caught unawares anymore. I believe with all of my heart that the reason that I've got these things in my heart and the amounts that I've got in my heart, the reason that these things are in my spirit is because God is going to open some of these doors. And when they open, we've got to be ready to move right away. That means we've got to have people on go. That means he's going to have to connect us with the right people, missionaries. By the way, have you ever noticed? You, I'm, I, never mind. I know you've never noticed this. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70. He told them, don't take money with you. That must mean, well, they still need money to live on, don't they? I mean, everybody needs money to live on. Well, if he told them don't take money to, to live on, what is he saying? He's saying the money for missions work must be somebody else's responsibility. I'm willing to take on that responsibility. How about you? That's what I believe is going to happen in the right day, last days. I believe we're going to have connections, supernatural, divine connections. People that are ready to go, people that have had this on their heart, they're just sitting on go waiting for the door to open. When the door opens, we'll have the resources to send them through that door and get the work done. The Bible has a lot to say about money, and it's not what most people think that it says. God cares about you. He cares about you having enough. He wants you to know how good He is. I want to challenge you to dare to believe God's Word about finances. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if you put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. 
He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.